This is Window on the East, a podcast from BNE IntelliNews. Subscribe at bne.eu. Welcome to Window on the East. I'm Liam Halligan, Editor-at-Large of BNE IntelliNews. In this edition, I talk with our Moscow correspondent, Jason Corcoran, about how Russia's responded to Brexit. Is the Kremlin pleased that UK voters have taken this huge decision to leave the European Union? Or could Brexit destabilise the broader EU, which remains Russia's largest trading partner, of course, despite sanctions, so harming the Russian economy in turn? I started by asking Jason about the Kremlin's initial reaction. I think um, so far the, the Russians are relishing sort of the, the, the mess that has been caused by, by Brexit votes in the UK. I mean, like Putin is, um, he he loves to stir the shit, excuse my French, in, in the pot in many different places. And if the UK has been destabilized by this vote, and it seems to be to me, it, it looks relatively better for him and his economy and his own sort of um, place at home. Do you think that Russia is concerned mainly about the economic impact of Brexit or do you think there's more geopolitics going on? No, I think it's more geopolitics. In terms of the market, we've seen that actually, uh, ironically, that the sanctions which were imposed by the EU and Britain when it was once a member and the US over Russia's interference in the Ukraine conflict have acted actually acted as somewhat of a shield. Um, government bonds have been rallying since since the vote, and the ruble initially rallied, and, and now is just reacting purely to the price of oil, which is, is typical. So the fact that Russia's been under EU and US sanctions um, for a couple of years now has actually protected uh, the economy, do you think, from Brexit? It's ironic that the isolation, which, you know, forced a lot of these Russian corporates to to deleverage and uh, to to get rid of a lot of the foreign debt, has actually helped to distance Russian assets from the chaos sweeping other European markets. And Sokchen, the French bank, actually came out and said Russia is a safe haven for investors relative to developing markets. What's your view, Jason, in terms of sanctions in general, aside from Brexit? From where I'm sitting in London, there seemed to be a sense that at some stage this summer, the EU, not the US, but the EU may signal that sanctions could come off quite soon. Was that the sense in Moscow? And has that sense changed? Yeah, well, there has been um, a lot of, since the, the Brexit vote, actually, and even before, there's been a lot of speculation that there is some sea change amongst the, the capitals in Europe about um, sanctions. The Italians and some members of the parliament in Germany and in France have been lobbying for a relaxation of sanctions because their economies are hurting. And since the Brexit vote, um, you've seen you know, commentators from Sparabank, the leading Russian banks suggest that the unified stance on sanctions may now be broken because, of course, Britain would be the most uh, staunch supporter of sanctions amongst the three big economies of France, Germany and the UK. And do you think that the do you think we could see this summer a, a signal from the EU that sanctions could be lifted, if not immediately, then in six months time? Or do you think that's pie in the sky? I think um, it's it's a pie in the sky for the moment because I think the EU will stand square behind U, the US, and we're waiting to see the shakeout of the, the, the US uh, presidential elections and who might end up in the White House. 
and and I think Merkel holds the cards in the in Europe, and she's going to she has her own problems, of course, in Germany. But she's going to wait and to see how how things shake out in the U.S. It is a while since sanctions were imposed on Russia. I know you follow the Russian economy and and business uh, very very closely. To what extent do you think sanctions have actually damaged Russia, and what do you think? To what extent do you think they've galvanized the economy? Um, they've certainly galvanized the economy in certain ways. The agricultural sector has has been growing. Um, the import substitution um, sort of policy that the, that the Kremlin had for a number of years accelerated since sanctions um, because the, the ruble uh, weakened and the main imports those those imports that could be made because a lot of foodstuffs and a lot of meat and, and fish were banned. And the imports, the other imports that were coming in from, I don't know, steak from Uruguay or, you know, fish from Japan just proved to be too expensive. So that is spurring a significant drive to build um, their own domestic food uh, culture uh, and to, to develop their own food, food security. And we're seeing that with our own eyes in the markets in Moscow and what's on the shelves, albeit there's still a lack of quality cheese and decent Russian wine. <laughs> was ever thus yes I've, I've been quite interested in the ruble i mean the ruble has basically strengthened against the dollar since this brexit vote i think on the friday before the vote it was it was somewhere between 65 66 67 to the dollar and now it seems to be nearer the low 60s why do you think that's happened the ruble is a good bet at the moment um it's been trading within you know a pretty pretty sort of narrow band for quite some time and oil has stabilized it's been creeping up to fifty dollars a barrel from as low as what it was at like twenty twenty two in January and you know Russia is 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 proving to be a, well I wouldn't say a safe haven but it's proving to be in stronger position than it was a year ago even two years ago they've survived the sanctions and um you know fiscally they look relatively robust and they probably will emerge from a two-year recession next year what's your view geopolitically jason do you think the kremlin did really welcome brexit what do you make of the argument that if there is a brexit and of course there are some doubts being raised now in the uk uh then that will really weaken this idea of the eu army with the biggest military power in Mm. europe uh, removed, and that could actually enhance uh, NATO's involvement in in Western and therefore in Eastern Europe. Uh, I think Liam actually, the, the Kremlin has some views that the EU has been an, uh, an economic disaster, and that Britain would have been better off doing separate trade deals with Russia, China, and the US. And 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 also, I mean, I suppose the NATO is a separate qu- question, and you know, we might see them. Obviously, they're having a big. Um, summit, you know, this week, and that they might play a bigger role. And there are people, certainly in the Baltics, who are, you know, for whatever reason, are increasingly nervous. And also, people in Kazakhstan, you know, Kazakhstan, which borders both Russia and China, has a very sizable um, Russian ethnic population um, on the western border. And there's been a number of situations recently. There's been, which initially the government said was an insurgency that was sponsored by the forces outside the country. And then they said it was a coup, coup masterminded by a local brewer. Tell us a bit more about that. There's been a number of issues in um, Kazakhstan since the start of this year. There's been uh, um, some land reform issues and there's been a fear internally in Kazakhstan that the government would be selling off chunks of land to the Chinese 
sort of an irrational rational fear that the Chinese could be taking over great uh, sort of tracts of Kazakhstan. And then subsequently we saw in May um, two shootouts between local vigilantes in western Kazakhstan and the security services. And initially the government was saying that this was some sort of Islamic forces from the outside. Kazakhstan has never been... It's, it's quite a secular place. It's been never been very strong on an Islamic country. It's quite weak, uh, in, in, relatively speaking, to other countries in the Middle East. And then they came out with this outlandish statement. Uh, Nazarbayev, the president who's been there a long time, longest uh, serving um, uh, sort of leader in the former Soviet Union, came out and said it was coup. Needless to say, he when he appeared at the, uh, the St. Petersburg Economic Forum, which I know that you attended, he didn't mention a single thing about it. Uh, it's an embarrassment really for him and his government that he made that statement. You've lived in Russia a long time, Jason. Do you think Russia's trade with the EU is going to increase in proportionate terms over the next 10 years uh, following this Brexit? Or do you think it's going to decrease as Russia really does start to engage more with China, an engagement that many feel has been encouraged by sanctions from the EU mm. and the US. I think we are seeing that there's been a lot of rhetoric about uh, Russia's pivot towards China and Asia. And I was initially very sort of sceptical, but we are seeing signs that China is interested. They take some time to warm up the Chinese and to understand Russian culture. And we saw a very significant deal a couple of months ago involving Yamal LNG, uh, which is um, supported by Novatech, a domestic gas producer, and several multinational energy companies. And um, the Chinese banks came in to fund this deal after a lot of humming and hawing, and there was no Western banks on that deal. More broadly, I mean, I think, yeah, EU trade will will drop, and we've seen that already since sanctions. The, the UK, for instance, only about Two two percent, I think, of Russia's external trade is with the U- UK, and most of, most of that is gas, uh, which is Gazprom, which is less sensitive to economic activity. One last question: What do you think the reaction will be in Russia if Brexit does lead to other copycat referenda across Europe? People talk about an EU referendum in Sweden, uh, in Holland, maybe even in France. This is something that. Um, Neil McKinnon, who you may know... Chief economist at VTB. Exactly. He used to be an old UK Treasury hand. Indeed. He was saying beforehand that this could lead to a serious referendum across Europe and the breakup of the EU. And there's been actually a lot of schadenfreude from some of the Russian investment banks since uh, the vote. And actually, I noticed today McKinnon came out with a statement and said um, UK retail property funds, which have been uh, gated in the last few days, a number of very large funds, he was saying that this could be 2007 deja vu when we saw the burst stern subprime hedge funds collapse, which, you know, after a year or so led to a global economic uh, crisis. On that upbeat note, Jason, thank you very much. This is Window on the East, a podcast from BNE Intellinews. Subscribe at bne.eu.